Well, good afternoon. I'm Rick Dancer, and thanks for joining me for this uh, special edition of Get Real with Rick Dancer, brought to you by the Covert Road Car Wash. Um, we're going to have two topics. One, a little bit later, we're going to talk about some handling of COVID with our county commissioner, uh, some advice that I had yesterday, an interview that I had with him yesterday. Um, but we're going to start with something I've, I've been getting bombarded, and I mean that in a good way, with emails, because people care. It's their property. Uh, folks who live along the McKinsey River and the Holiday Farm Fire, um, super concerned because um, <laughs> people are coming on their property and cutting down their trees. <laughs> and they don't know that it's going to happen. So, um, yeah. So let's just say you're sitting at home and somebody comes along and all of a sudden they're cutting down trees on your property. I think you'd be emailing me as well. So uh, this morning, uh, Craig notified me. Actually, he notified me through a friend of mine. There's Craig and Shaw. Just wave, you guys, so people know you're there. Okay. Um, you guys, talk to me about what you see. Kind of just, Craig, go through the motion of what's happening up there. Well, what's happening as a property owner who has property both on the uh, riverside riparian zone and on the north side of the highway, um, what we're seeing are crews of people putting blue dots on trees. And through a little uh, investigating with some people that Sean knows, come to find out these trees are marked uh, so as to be cut by cutting crews. And we were not informed that any of this process was uh, to take place. So I showed up on my property uh, one, uh, one evening and lo and behold, I probably had 15 or 18 trees inside my property line marked for removal. So um, I sort of got my hackles up and uh, wanted to find out what was really going on. And it was very difficult to get answers. No one would answer. No one would, would tell uh, us what the criteria was for marking. Uh, they just said, oh, well, they're hazard trees. And um, we've, we've spoken with uh, quite a few people since then. That was almost two weeks ago and have got some answers verbally but uh, very few uh, documents or anything was sent out uh, telling homeowners uh, uh, about the whole process. And I'm fortunate because I actually stayed nearby my property. Most people are not available up here. They're, they're disposed because their places burned down and they're staying in right. town or other places. So uh, they're actually very vulnerable to uh, people coming on their property. And, um, I have been on my property cleaning up and was uh, approached one day by one of the persons who was in charge of the crew putting these dots on trees now, and uh, was told by him that uh, these, these are subcontractors who um, are supposedly professional arborists who go out and actually judge whether or not a tree is a hazard and is going to affect the right of way for the highway. So who's in charge of this, Craig? Who's so do, you, you got, you got some answers on who's doing it. 
Did you hear me? I can I can pick Shaw might that. better better be equipped <laughs> with that answer. Okay. We'll answer that uh, if that's okay. Yeah, Shaw, go ahead. So who do you so, know that's behind this? Okay, so our, my understanding is, is that FEMA is the overlying agency that is involved in post-traumatic, if you want to call it that, cleanup. So they are helping with the cleaning up of roads, with the cleaning up of property, with the installation of infrastructure. So FEMA ha is giving funds through ODOT, the Oregon Department of Transportation, the cleanup to do the tree, the danger tree removal. They have hired a firm, CDR McGuire, we believe out of Florida, who is responsible for, for getting arborists onto all of these burned areas in the state. So they have a statewide contract to do the marking of the trees that need to come down. Then there are three, I believe, different co contractors who have been hired to actually remove the trees, cut the trees down and deal with that portion of the program. And that is a company called Suludoc out of Alaska. So what, you tell us your story, Shaw, because you were telling me you live there and your properties, you're, you're leasing it to someone else. Um, so kind of explain that to folks, okay? <clears throat> Did you hear me, Shaw? You guys, no. we're, dealing, we're, we're dealing with Blue River's um, system up there. So Shaw, can you tell me, tell me about your property? So they can come on and... Yes. Did you get that? Okay. Okay. So my understanding is that when we first started the investigation into this with the blue dots, um, nobody really knew what they were, but, uh, and, and why there were people coming onto private property. Certainly calls to the governor's office, central resource department of the governor's office to Ron Wyden's office to um, Mr. Merkley, Senator Merkley's office, and was able to actually find people to talk to within the system who helped us sort things out. And to tell us that because it was a, I mean, we kind of came to understand because it was a FEMA-based operation that all basically all rules were suspended so that they could expedite the process, which included, and, and my issue to them was, there are uh, tree cutters and arborists going onto private property. No one has been, no one has been notified of anything that they're going to have this process going on. No, no request for act permission to access nothing. So after we raised enough of a stink for about two weeks, in the mail came a very vague letter or a letter from, who was it from? I believe that was an ODOT letter. An ODOT letter saying mm -hmm. that there would be people coming on the property. There, they didn't ask. They said there will be people coming on your property to debris cleanup task force, and they will be marking trees to come down. And... Um, 
I believe there was something in the letter said they will be working on the, the road right of way and then all trees in the back of the property or for the rest of the property or up to the property owner to dispose of. That was the original understanding. However, what we've come to find is that there was this rule called the 150%, I call it the 150% rule. And that on a dead tree, you could take the height of the tree, multiply that by 150%, so you get 150% of the height of the tree, and they can go back that far onto your property, whether it's any property, state, federal, or private, and mark trees, because those trees could conceivably somehow fall into the right-of-way. Then so, yesterday or the day before, we found out that had been increased to 200%. And so the 200%, the additional 50% was added on by OSHA. And it's like, what does OSHA have to do with this? Well, OSHA was concerned that a tree could fall on a tree that could fall into the right-of-way and harm the workers that were there cleaning up the hazard trees. So now we have gone from a 35-foot right-of-way to one that could be 200 feet or more long. So that could be and a lot of trees. We found property, next to Craig's right? property, blue dots on trees that were did you well, hear my it's question? basically a clear-cut swath through the entire Mackenzie River Valley. So tell me this. Tell me this. Go ahead. Do you, do you get to keep the trees? Do you get the – if you're selling – if you were to sell these trees, do you get them or do they haul them off? And it's well, your, your, you get to keep the trees. People want – and are they cutting them down Apparently, for free? In order, you can keep the trees if you want. Yes. Well, for free, even if you don't want them to be cut down. So you have the option if you call the um, this emergency number, and you're supposed to somehow know what this, this number is, and tell them you want the trees, <clears throat> then you get to keep your trees, and they'll put them in a place for you, and you can have your trees. But if you... <clears throat> For example, like most people aren't on site, they don't know they're there. They don't know the number, the magic number to call. They'll just haul their trees, their their trees away. So there's been a tremendous lack of communication with landowners about what's going on on their private property and with this whole process in general. So Craig, your biggest concern at this point, who do, how can people help you that are watching? Because people are kind of irritated. <laughs> I think people can help. <laughs> I, I think people can help by uh, communicating these circumstances in mass and calling the governor's office, calling senators, calling DeFazio's office, calling the DEQ, calling ODOT and literally making a massive uh, uh, campaign to um, um, expose this. And I think the media is critical. We've seen very, very little media up here. In fact, it's been almost non-existent. 
so we really think that it's just going to take uh, the population, especially the uh, uh, people on the on the river corridor who are absolutely affected by this to to even begin to have this thing paused so that things can be reconsidered. And the and the uh, property owners and community members brought into the dialogue to maybe have some say so in what happens. Do you guys feel like I mean, it's like one thing after the another. The, the floodplain is elevated higher, so it makes it harder to rebuild. Your timber is taken from you, cut down without your permission or even, your, you know, it's, I, I'm sorry, it used to be my property. Um, and, you know, you're, and you're still, both of you lost your homes. Correct. This is, this is adding insult to injury. While people are vulnerable, they're, they're, they're exposed, they're being taken advantage of. And as a community, we have lost so much of our environment. It has burned to a crisp. The forests have burned, they're burned and charred black. And the few remaining trees that remain along the corridor, we drive every day, they matter to us. They mean a lot to us. It's like, why take them down? Why can't we have something left? And we're being told not only are they taking our own personal property, but our community property as well. And that's where we're, we've put some pressure onto ODOT and they've been somewhat responsive in saving some of the trees that were destined to come down along the corridor of the wild and scenic Mackenzie. Well, you guys, Craig and, and Shaw, thank you for contacting me because a lot of people up there are really concerned and hopefully people can share this on their page and other people can see this and get involved because what we try to tell people here on Get Real with Rick Dancer is if you're part of a community, that means you have action. Community is an action word. Love is an action word. People can feel sorry for you, but that doesn't do shit. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you don't need to be felt sorry for. You need an army of people no. and say, hey, what the hell's going on here? Um, you know, that's our corridor up there. That's correct. Thank you very yeah, much. Just, just, just griping on the keyboard does nothing. It, ha it has to be. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on. And I know your Internet's a little funky, but that worked fine. And good luck right, to both. Thank you. Good Appreciate it. All right. See you later. All right. So there you go. So there's, and that is not the first email I've had from up there. Just uh, at least a dozen, I'm sure, of people calling and saying, um, what in the hell is going on here? And we're not being told what's happening. It's our trees. It's our property. And, uh, and very, very frustrated. Um, and uh, Matt, you are welcome. Uh, Matt Vidal is my friend. Craig knows him. This is how the world works. When you have, when you're in a community, people start talking and things start happening and people go along and that's how you find out more about what's going on. Um, so Shay and Craig, thank you so much for coming on and doing that. Um, I wanted to address something else tonight too. Last night we had, yesterday we had uh, Lane County Commissioner Jay Bosevich on. And in fact, um, on the 22nd, Jay will be back here and we will be doing a show again about the McKenzie River and the floodplain. Um, and how commissioners raise the floodplain up and um, 
it's the a lot of people's opinion that that didn't need to happen because it adds expense to all those people on the riverfront that want to build their rebuild their property. Um, they it makes it that much more difficult, as if it's not hard enough. And um, so we're going to talk to Jay about that, why it was done, um, can that be changed? We're just going to have a conversation because we all need to be aware of what's going on. So when I was talking to Jay yesterday, it was uh, the governor had just made her announcement. Um, about which counties were going to stay in the extreme danger lockdown and which ones were going to come out of it. And um, unfortunately for a lot of businesses in Lane County, we are still in it. And he had some concerns. This is like a little four minute interview I did with him, but I want to bring this on so you can kind of hear some of his concerns um, about the way this is being handled. And uh, <clears throat> just thought that I'm going to add that into what we're doing here. So, Take a listen to this. I'm going to pull myself out. This is from yesterday. It's about four minutes long. So here Phase you go. 1A was the medical providers, first responders, and nursing home um, workers and, and residents, you know, the long-term care facilities, which covers some of the seniors. But we still have about 10,000 people left in Phase 1A to vaccinate. And they, so, they only so gave us 400 vaccines. And so we have 10,000 people in stage 1A, and now we're moving on to, to, to some, we've included now teachers in that whole thing. So we don't even have enough for the healthcare workers that we have, and we're already moving on to another group of people. Yeah, we've actually vaccinated over 5,000 educators in that educator group um, already. In Lane County. In Lane County, but we have over 6,000 seniors over 80 signed up in our system right now. If we had actually started with the seniors, we'd be 80% done with at least the 80 year olds. And you had mentioned on his show, and I already know this fact, but I'm gonna let you talk about it, is your concern is now we've, and, and we love teachers too, but we brought in teachers, they're not at high risk. The seniors who are at high risk are now secondary to the teachers. Yeah. It, it's very simple to take the CDC data on, you know, number of cases and deaths by age group and figure out that if the older you are, the higher your chance of death is if you get COVID. And in fact, if you're over 85, you have a one in five chance of dying if you catch COVID. But if you're between 30 and 40, it's one in 1,000. So we are now vaccinating in that 5,000 educators, 30 year olds ahead of 80 year olds. It just doesn't make sense scientifically to do that. So I keep hearing us, we're talking about all the time that we're following the science, but we're not really following the science. No, it doesn't seem so. Um, and, I, and it just, you know, I understand wanting to try and get you know, schools back open and all that stuff. But there, you know, there's a whole nother discussion we could have about how risky it is to open schools or not. I don't believe there is a high risk there. Um, but the moving educators ahead of seniors just doesn't work. And, and I noticed that somebody's commenting about prisoners. That wasn't Governor Brown. That was a judge that put the prisoners even ahead of educators. Um, so, you know, a judge's order actually even jumped, you know, 15,000 prisoners to the front of the line ahead of everybody. Um, so we're now at, you know, the state of Oregon advertised that we're opening up for seniors 80 and up. 
we haven't finished 1A, we've jumped prisoners ahead of everybody, and we're doing educators ahead of seniors. So my real concern is they're setting us up to look like failures because right. we're not going to be able to get to these 80 plus seniors because uh, we're, we're, we're trying to finish these other groups first. Well, so, and you're putting those seniors at, at pretty high risk at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So I would really encourage anyone you know watching and listening to contact the governor's office because this is coming directly from her office. The counties have no control over that priority list. She needs to stop at vaccinating educators and move the seniors to the head of the line. Why Finish do you think the seniors and then the educators? Why do you think she put educators ahead of the line? Well, let's see. The Oregon Education Association makes significant political donations during during uh, campaigns, and guess who they contributed to the most heavily in the last gubernatorial campaign? Um, yeah. So, and that was an interview we did with Jay yesterday. Um, and not a, a lot of people are talking about that. And you guys, we need to be informed about what's happening around us. I'm going to remove that interview. Um, he had another bite to talk about yesterday that I really want you to hear because one of the reasons, and this is not to blame University of Oregon students, but one of the reasons Lane County is in the high extreme or extremely high, whatever we are, category is because 33% of the COVID cases are coming from the University of Oregon. So our small businesses are suffering because the U of O is open and students are doing online classes for the most part. I mean, you guys, does that make any sense to you? Um, I just, it, it, it just, just, we have to be talking about this. So I want you to hear this soundbite. Yeah, which gets me to a whole different topic of the fact that we're still an extreme risk in this county. And, and the, the whole reason we are is because they've kept the University of Oregon open while they've shut down gyms that have no history of, of transmission but we've got the University of Oregon that's responsible for 33% of our cases over the last two weeks. I took the wrong one off. I'm new at this. Um, so we need to be involved in these decisions, whether it's the, to our friends who live up the McKinsey. And, and you guys, if we're learning anything at all from what's going on, let's make this a positive. We need to be involved in these decisions. Um, we can't allow people to shut us down because they disagree. We need to make our voices heard. You are not voiceless people. And you use your voice in a kind way. So when you call the governor's office to tell her that you think this is wrong, um, or if you think it's right, you can write and tell her that you think it's right. But we, but we, we speak in kind words. We don't, we don't uh, say, hey, you idiot. I mean, people do that. And nobody listens. Do you listen? No. I get an email where somebody's saying, hey, Rick, I'm going to kill you because I don't like your opinion. Well, and I get those, but I don't read them anymore. I, they ax and they go away into the file, the round file. So you be kind, you be considerate, you be firm, and you make sure that it's your true opinion, not something you heard on Fox News or CNN or MSNBC. It's something you have educated yourself about. Um, like the folks you just saw, Craig and Shaw, they have done the research. They didn't wait for the t news media to come out and tell them, um, here's what's going to happen. 
because they'd be still waiting with their finger in their ear. So no, they got on the phone and they started doing their homework. And that's what we need to do. Quit listening to them and start listening to find out for yourself what the hell is going on and then do something about it and stop bitching about it all the time. I'm so sick of people online just bitch, 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 bitch. And you're not doing anything about it. So write, and when you write a letter to them, all their names are on the same thing. So you write the same letter, you copy and paste it and just send it to all the people on the list that you're going to send it to. It's pretty damn easy. So that's what we should be doing to be involved in this process. Because when 33% of our cases are being found at the University of Oregon and and I've got small businesses just struggling to stay alive. And here's Valentine weekend coming up. And this would be a big weekend for restaurants in this community. And they can't do shit. Well, that needs to be taken into consideration because a lot of these businesses aren't coming back. And it's not their fault. So get involved. Write about the trees to help those folks at the trees um, up the McKinsey because they're a small group of people. They're strong, they're powerful. <laughs> Most people got balls, but they need our help. And so if you drive up the McKinsey and you get teary like I do still, that's wonderful because it's all of our backyard, but help them fight because it's their home, okay? And for the, all those small businesses in town, um, don't put up with these answers. Um, we are the people and I wanna remind you, Congressman DeFazio, Governor Kate Brown, the Oregon legislature, the county commissioners, we're their boss. We are their boss. And we now believe we've switched this around and let them kind of teach us that they tell us what to do. No, we tell them what to do. So let's start doing that. I'm Rick Dancer. This is Get Real with Rick Dancer. Share this on your page. Share it with other people if you want to. Um, if you totally disagree with me, wonderful. Express your opinions, but don't be an asshole. Because I'll take your, I'll just take your thing and throw it away. I'm tired of it. You have to start treating people like people, whether you like them or not. And you can hate me, but you can't shit on me. Good night. Thank you.